0: to Season 4 of Writers' Festival Radio, broadcasting from the unceded and unsurrendered territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabeg. My name is Sean Wilson. I'm the Artistic Director of the Ottawa International Writers' Festival, Canada's festival of ideas since 1997. Thank you for supporting authors and booksellers, and each other. Today on the podcast, Poet, editor, and author Rhonda Douglas talks with one of my favorite authors, Helen Humphreys, winner of the Writer's Trust Fiction Prize, a Lambda Literary Award, and the Toronto Book Award. Here's Rhonda Douglas introducing Helen Humphreys.
1: Well, I'm so excited to be here with Helen Humphreys today. We are going to be talking about her new book, Uh, and A Dog Called Fig. Actually, I think the full title is Solitude, Connection, The Writing Life, and A Dog Called Fig. Um, And uh, let me introduce, uh, Helen, before we get started, So Helen Humphreys is an acclaimed and award-winning author of fiction, nonfiction, and poetry. Her most recent novel, Rabbit Foot Bill, was a national bestseller and finalist for the Crime Writers of Canada's Howard Engel Award. She's won the Rogers Writers Trust Fiction Prize, a Lambda Literary Award for Fiction, and the Toronto Book Award. And she's been a finalist for the Governor General's Literary Award for Fiction – the Trillium Book Award and CBC's Canada Reads. The recipient of the Harborfront Festival Prize for Literary Excellence, Helen Humphreys lives in Kingston, Ontario with a dog named Fig. Mm-hmm. Um, Helen, would you do us uh, the honor of just reading a little bit from the book before we get started? That sure, I'd
2: be happy to, Rhonda. Um, I'm just gonna read from the middle so I won't contextualize it really, but hopefully this will make enough sense. Writing wild dogs depended on my knowing what it would feel like to be a dog. And so I used to run through the forest with Hazel, vaulting fallen logs and cresting hills, my lungs burning and heart pounding, Hazel leading me enthusiastically deeper into the wilderness. One memorable day, we came upon a hawk carrying a squirrel. The squirrel was almost too heavy for the bird and the hawk couldn't get the height it needed, so it flew just in front of us through the trees at head level. Without thinking, Both the dog and I gave chase simultaneously, the dog wanting to catch the hawk and me to keep the wondrous sight in view for as long as possible. Living with Hazel taught me the benefit of balancing the physical world of the dog with the interior writing life. And the wildness of the dog reinforced my own sense of wildness and gave me a sense of freedom as well as companionship. I think too, that it kept my ideas fresh because I couldn't complacently sink into writerly habits. My being was constantly being shaken out of its routine by the needs of the dog to be a dog, to run through the woods or notice the movement of other animals. Having a dog and living some of the time on the dog's terms kept me immersed in the physical world. A part of me could always be animal in the company of the dog, and this kept me engaged with nature, with the life force, which is also the creative force. I'll stop mm,
1: thank you so much. Wow. You know, I was actually thinking this would make a great Canada Reads book because we could finally have that national debate about, you know, cats or dogs, right? <laughs> um, and so advance warning to any writers who are cat people, because we're going to be just loving on the dogs, this whole uh, conversation. Um, so the first thing I want to ask you, because this this book is, um, is, you know, a memoir that, that, essentially takes place um, as you care for a new Visla puppy named Fig. Did I get the name of the breed right? Because I don't know the yeah. breed very well. Yeah. Visla. Bishla. Visla. Okay. And it's Hungarian breed, right? It's
2: a Hungarian. Yeah. It's a Hungarian pointer. It's the yeah. smallest of the pointing dogs. and Yeah. The national dog of Hungary, I think.
1: Completely gorgeous. And when they, when they're puppies, they kind of have the faces of old men. Yeah. not they? They're yeah. Wrinkly. Yeah. yeah. Very cute. So um, so I felt like I had to ask you, how's Fig and what's she like as an adult? Because she was this crazy biting surprise of a dog for you.
2: Yes. She's right now lying in a sunbeam, I think, asleep. So she's she's much calmer now as an adult, although still very rambunctious, but settling down. And and yeah. you know, she doesn't bite me anymore. So that's the main um thing <laughs> that's that's amazing. yeah and you yeah. don't seem to have
1: any scars so that's, no. that's all good yeah and so what's the rhythm of your dog slash writing life with her as as an adult you were so much of the book is about you know the companion relationship of a dog to a writer
2: well these are um, really high energy dogs they're hunting dogs and she's my third vishla but you know <laughs> I mean, it makes of course it makes sense that I have aged in between, but I, it wasn't until I got her that I realized how much I had actually aged in between all the other dogs. So most of my day is spent trying to tire her out and probably for the next, I don't know, few half a dozen years, that's going to be the case. So my writing is interspersed around the, the bouts of tiring her out. So we have like a two hour walk in the morning, I take her out again at noon. I take her out again in the afternoon. And then in between that my writing life happens. But it's um it's kind of all around the needs of the dog, which I thought would really hinder me, but actually it, it's kind of worked out okay. Like it's it's just it's a it's, good rhythm. Yeah, it's kind of a good rhythm. Mm,
1: yeah. Wow. And I, I really got the sense in the book that um that those breaks were generative for your writing like you would come back and and be able to approach the writing with with new energy and and feeling fresh is that still the case
2: yeah because I think what happened before and I don't know if this happens to other people is that you usually when you well, I write I sit there and I, I work at it and I keep working at it until there's nothing happening right like I work it to the point where and then I still sit there and try to make something happen So what having the dog means is that I'm leaving it at a place where something is happening. And I, I resent the break, but actually when I get back, it's like the break has kind of refreshed me and I no longer sort of get to those lulls that I used to have. I I just always feel that I have something to say.
1: Love that. So I, the dogs so there are several dogs, right? There's, there's Lily, your St. Bernard from when you were a child. Lisa, Lisa. Oh, Lisa. I'm sorry. Yeah, I had no, Lily in okay. my head. Okay. Um, still have the picture in my head. And, and then the Vishlas and several of them um, and including, you know, your beloved Charlotte, who was like a, you know, a kindred spirit for you. Um, do you think the books you've written over those years would have been different if you'd had different dogs?
2: that's a great question Uh, i think so
1: Mm.
2: yeah i i think so i mean who can who can say but i think so vicious are a very they're very a dog who's very they're very engaged with their people so they're um they're full on in every respect like they have those crazy high energy needs and then they also have this real desire to be with you and and engage with you all the time. So I think the level of engagement that they require, I don't know. It, it maybe just made me operate in a different sort of realm in terms of writing. I think so. Probably, mm. I think I probably wrote better books being with the beach list than I might have being with mm. a dog that was
1: more laid back. Interesting. Wow. So. In the book, you integrated so many interesting little stories that I had never heard I, I mean I learned a lot about the Vi breed reading this but I also um I hadn't realized I think how many great writers had relied on the companionship of dog dogs and so you've got you know f- stories that you've did you go and research these for these the book or did you already know this like are you just someone who gravitates normally to other writers with dogs, and so you just knew this, or or did you purposefully do this in order to bring it into the book, to enrich the book?
2: The only writer I knew for sure their dogs was Virginia Woolf, who, who I, because I read a lot of, I, in the past, I read a lot of Virginia Woolf, so I was familiar with her dogs, but no, I researched the writers and their dogs specifically for the book and what was surprising was not how many writers had dogs but how many writers had what we would call a difficult dog you know there's some really difficult dogs out there oh
1: okay so
2: so that was i found Mm. really interesting like thomas Mm. hardy's dog right who walked on the dining table and just took food off the guest plates depending on on what the dog felt like eating and you know, was addicted to a radio program and had to listen to it every day. And I mean, all these- The
1: dog was?
2: Yes, it was addicted to the radio program called Children's Hour. Oh, right. Thomas (laughs) Thomas Hardy bought the dog, Wessex, his own radio so he could listen to the program. And then Wessex had to listen to it at the specific time or he made a fuss through a tantrum, I guess.
1: Oh my Lord, wow, wow. So that was
2: interesting to me. I thought, you know, all these sort of difficult dogs. Yeah. Like, what does that mean?
1: Well, and and also the intimate nature of the relationship, which you know you talk about the the intimacy with a dog in particular in relationship to to Charlotte, your dog before fig, but the, the, the stories really struck me of the true kind of spirit of companionship, the, the the almost like a kind of partnership really between these writers and their dogs in a way that, it definitely influenced their, their writings. So, yeah, that was really, really fascinating. Um, and I loved that the photos were in here, by the way. So, was that your idea? Did you, or because you, you mentioned in the back, you also sort of talk about your editors and what they brought to the book. So, I, I wanted to ask you about the process of working with um, editors on this book and how, you know, the process of a whole book coming together.
2: Yeah, I think. I think it was a mutual decision, the photos. I can't really remember who's if it was my idea or or their idea. I think maybe we all just came to it mutually. Although I have to say getting photo permissions, which I had to do, was not fun. It was a hard job. Um, But yeah, it was a great process. I had three editors and they were all um, three different publishers. And so they were all working with me and working with each other simultaneously. But it was a great process. It was, you know, everybody was very... I don't know, it was a very kind of simpatico kind of little group of people. And I, I really, I, I love that whole process mm. of working with them.
1: Yeah, and the, I, the photos really do add, right? Because I just mm-hmm. found myself right up in the photo <laughs> trying to you know, see the face of the dog. And um, because as you say in the, you know, in the book, you mentioned that the dog is so contemporary. Mm-hmm. Like we see a dog and it's a dog now.
2: Yes. The dog is not, it's not dated by clothes or hair the way that human beings are. And so, so, I mean, you can look at Virginia Woolf's dog. I was looking, I spent a long time looking at that picture of that dog Grizzle. And I just thought, oh, Grizzle could be a dog I saw, you know, on the street.
1: Right. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about like, so the book is about, it's about Dogs. It's about your relationship with several dogs that you've had in your life, but it's also about how that's informed your writing. So, tell me a little bit about what dogs have taught you about writing books. What you've well, learned from from them? From yeah,
2: dogs. Um, well, I think dogs are a great place, uh, along with children. I think, but dogs, maybe more specifically, to study character because the character of a dog. Like for one, when we always talking about those difficult dogs before, a dog is one of the a relationship where, if it was a human relationship, you might just give up on that person, right? You wouldn't continue to sort of hang out with a really difficult person, but you have to hang out with your really difficult dog. So it teaches you a lot about character and how character works, I think, and and also dogs often have um, an anomaly, like a brave dog can be afraid of a thunderstorm, and so it I think it it gives you this when you're writing character you think okay well a character can have an anomaly and they usually can usually you can give somebody something that goes against what s- seems to be their their way of being right and it, and it works out okay so i i think that's one of the th- the places where um where i've learned i learned a lot from dogs another thing is about setting for because a dog the way they deal with place you know, they they deal with place in a very intimate way and they're sort of intimately attached to a scent trail or they go always to the bush where they once found a rabbit and they continue to go there forever, even though there's never another rabbit. And so it's it's really, I learned a lot about sort of what, when you're showing place to a reader, how do you show it? You know, what what do you show that's all that's public and what of the private nature of place that's related to character do you show? So, so there's sort of many different... Um, aspects, like, like those are just two, but.
1: Mm, yeah. Um, and I, I thought, you know, that the, I really enjoyed all those passages in the book where you were, um, you know, there was like this rhythm to the book where there was sort of a, a moment with the dog and then a moment about um, the writing life and um, different aspects there that you learned. So I, but I wanted to ask if you think that you've learned anything from writing that would help you with the puppy. <laughs> oh that's
2: a good question isn't it I don't know writing because no the writing and the puppy are like made things that go against one another really because writing for me has to be I have to kind of get in the zone and I have to be kind of quiet and you know and the puppy is just the opposite of all of that so I don't I don't um I don't think so
1: you you seem to have a few moments um, where you thought, Oh, I don't know if this was a good idea. Was this a good idea? Um, did you ever, did you ever sort of have a moment where you thought, gosh, I don't know. I, I I wasn't sure if this at all, the, the time with fig and the training of fig as a puppy, had it happened during the pandemic or was it pre-pandemic?
2: It was pandemic. I I got fig just, just before the pandemic, like in December. I brought her home in December and then the pandemic sort of happened right after, you know, mm. January really. So she, right. she was um, during the pandemic, but she hadn't been sort of purchased before, during the pandemic. It was, I'd always had the plan to get her. It's just when the pandemic right. happened, which was kind of unfortunate because then it meant she couldn't be as socialized as I would have liked, especially with other dogs. Right. Which I think right. happened with a lot of pe- pandemic dogs.
1: Yeah, for sure yeah Yeah. although there were a lot of p- pandemic puppies in our local park here um, it seemed like for a while everybody you know there was a period of the pandemic where there were a lot of puppies around which was so fantastic yeah. um, I don't know if you had that in Kingston yeah so
2: I think there's yeah. a lot more dogs yeah sure <laughs>
0: nice you're listening to Writers Festival Radio As always, I want to thank you for listening and for supporting authors and booksellers through these difficult times. Our official bookseller is Perfect Books on Elgin Street, and wherever you are right now, there's an independent bookseller nearby who would be more than happy to sell you some great books. If you enjoy the podcast or any of our virtual programming, please consider making a charitable donation. We can't do this without your support. And now, back to the conversation.
1: Um, and at one point in the in the memoir, you um, shared a moment where you were out with Fig, and you were basically mansplained about how to raise the puppy by this guy who was a dog behaviorist. And um, people have a lot of opinions about how you know how to raise dogs, right? Even a non specialist, everybody just has their own way. Um, and it struck me as really similar to um, all the advice that emerging writers get about you know, here's the one way to write a novel. Here's how you should do it. Do you see any parallels there? Um, And yeah, I guess I'm just interested in your, your, really, your thinking about this idea of the one way to write a novel.
2: Yeah, I don't agree with that for sure. It's neither one way to raise a dog either, because what you have to do in both cases is with the dog, you have to figure out who that dog is, I think, and figure out how to work with that dog, because they're all different. You can't just of superimpose some level of of, you know a discipline on on a dog that's fearful or you know you can't there's things you can't do so but similarly i think with a novel you have to sort of figure out what the novel requires from you and and approach it that way and not and not everything is going to work like especially something you did in your last novel isn't necessarily going to work with the new novel that you're doing it's um they're both just I guess they're both problems in a way and you have to figure out how to solve them, but they're individual and unique problems. They're not, they're not something where you can just keep applying the same thing. To them. Yeah. It
1: was really liberating for me. It's always liberating when I hear that, but it was really liberating for me to read that um, in the book, just that sense of, um, you know, every new book is a new, a new adventure, right. And you're going to yeah. follow different paths and go back and it's, it's a little wild. It's a little uncontrollable. I mean, you, you bring control to it, but yeah that was that was really liberating to hear so um you mentioned that the um just at the start you know you kind of set up the story as the the puppy since you're gonna be dealing with the puppy um, you'll write um, what you know start out maybe as journal entries in kind of fragments that then build to become the memoir. Can you talk a little bit about um about about that and how you built from those daily diaries into the structure of the memoir, how it went from being, you know, those one thing to to the full book.
2: Yeah, it just, it happened kind of organically because when I got the puppy, I realized with horror, great horror, <laughs> that I was it was going to be impossible to write anything because she was not only, you know, puppies are so all... all They're so intense, but she was a particularly intense puppy, more so than other ones that I have been familiar with. So I just thought, okay, I can't write anything, but maybe what I can do is just keep track of the puppy. So I'll just sort of bang out a couple of sentences if I can, when she's sleeping, if she ever sleeps. And then, um, and so that's what I did. Just keep a kind of puppy diary. I wasn't thinking about it as being a book at that point. I just thought it's just a way for me to keep writing. But, and when, and so,
1: when did you see it become a book? That's really well, curious.
2: Well, then I just started to get interested in, writing, in the writing about dogs. And then I started, I thought, well, maybe I'm just going to write about other dogs I've had. And then I started doing that. And then I thought, well, maybe I'm going to look at other writers and see about their dogs. And so it just
1: kind of evolved like that. And then um, I just layered the things in eventually into the. There's so much of a dog following its nose in that explanation. Helen. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. <laughs> you know, do you is that how you always write? Like, it, was this book different for you, or is that how you would normally approach, you know, a book length project? You know, it, it's how I approach
2: things now. When I when I was younger, I had a much more kind of um, a plan, and I executed my plan, and I had this and that. I had a structure, but now you know, I've, I've, I'm writing everything kind of out of process. Like everything for me is process driven. And, and kind of becomes, the process becomes the book somehow. My last two or three books have been like that, which feels um, good. I, mm-hmm. I, so I'm just sort of following it.
1: So you're following it, it because it feels good. It, it, can you? Is there something that um, in particular that works better for you with that compared to, say, having, you know, the full out plot outline with the beats and the whole, you know, schmozzle? Um, Or is it just trusting, trusting the story and enjoying the process?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of everything, I guess. I think I I need to always keep things because I've written a a bunch of books. I I need to figure out ways to keep things fresh for myself. And that's the, that's the biggest problem really. So I think um, anything that kind of feels like it's fresh or it has energy in it. I just move in that direction and, and it no longer feels energetic to kind of plan things out so far in advance and just work methodically through something. I can't, I can't seem to do that anymore.
1: Mm, okay. So I'm well, just, is, Wow. Yeah. That answers my question about structure then, because you, you know, you have like this puppy training through line and then you have these deep dives down into, you know, sort of previous dog history and the story of Charlotte and the story of Hazel. Um, and I, I wondered if that arose just naturally in the work or, or was it shaped after the fact it was shaped after the fact oh okay pretty much
2: I mean there was the puppy diary was its own continuous thing that I kept doing and then I just kept writing these chunks of other things and then I sort of after the fact figuring out how to how I was going to blend it all together which is actually right. a much bigger job than it right. seemed seem and be. here's That's what
1: it. here's what the book is about and so here are the pieces yeah yeah Wow, it really, I mean, it yeah, it really works well together, I think. Um yeah, no, and I I felt like I needed to say to you, I'm so sorry you lost Charlotte because <laughs> Charlotte was such a character. Um, yeah, and, and character is the only word I can think. Like just so I mean, each of the dogs, but Charlotte and Fig, maybe because we had more time with them, just you know, feel like they are, yeah, like. Like you're reading a character out of, I don't know, an Agatha Christie novel or something. You know, they're so um, so real on the page. So I just wanted to say, I was really sorry, and, and I was heartbroken a little when when Charlotte died, even though I knew, you know, got the new puppy, and you told me at the start, but I was still quite <laughs> clamped over the loss of Charlotte. So yeah, she died yeah. a bit too young, but yeah, you know, she was a pretty
2: amazing dog. She taught me a lot about. I don't know about relation about love. Mm. I think actually, mm. yeah, because the way. Yeah, the way I, I you know I, sometimes she taught me that. I think I should have known this anyway. But you don't love everything or everybody equally. You know, you do love some people, some dogs, some things more than other things. Even if you're supposed to love everybody or everything equally, it's not yeah. the case. You know, and I yeah. don't know what. And I don't know what that love depends on. Like it doesn't it depend. It doesn't really depend on anything the animal or the person does it's more just a feeling that arises naturally based on mm-hmm. i don't know your, your personalities together or something
1: mm-hmm. yeah
2: okay. and that
1: that affected your relationship with fig right because you kept expecting fig to be charlotte but fig yeah. was her own dog
2: he was and yeah. and uh yeah and difficult in the beginning and had a much more difficult character really although now i appreciate her character but it's, mm. still, it's still not as easy as Charlotte's was, yeah. <laughs> I
1: have to say. <laughs> yeah. And then um, there was a point I, I just, um, there's a point I flagged that I wanted to just ask you about. Um, you said, uh, while I have no desire to actually become a dog myself, I do admire many of their characteristics chief among these is their ability to be entirely inside a moment and then switch easily and without regret into another moment. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm, you know, over analyzing that to, to read something about writing in there. Um, but you know how we often write something and then we get attached to it. And we have expectations about how a story's going to go yeah. that we bring and then we get all frustrated yeah Uh, just felt like there was something there maybe yeah well yeah
2: i think human beings have trouble with that in writing and also in other things with that idea of expectation and also just being able to switch kind of effortlessly from something we're involved in just to leave that behind i think we have we have trouble leaving things behind
1: Yeah, so, we do, yeah. including our beloved dogs. But yeah, that's very, very true. So, um, Helen, do you think um, it, as I was reading the, you know, the the um, the descriptions of your walks with the dogs and um, the different things you experienced on the walks and just the observation, but also a lot of the wildlife you encountered, um, which was surprising to me as someone who walks a dog in the city. I mean, you know, the most we get is geese here. Um, I was kind of found myself thinking um, that or wondering I guess if there weren't were any poems in there for you are you are you still writing poetry did you feel did you was there any poetry um, coming from any of those moments or um, or yeah, did you really I, just decide to channel it in this way I mostly channeled it in that way but mm-hmm. funnily enough I am writing, writing poetry again
2: after. Oh like decades really of not writing poetry Yay. but I've started writing some prose poems and they seem to have okay. some some energy to them so I'll probably mm. keep going as long as I as can find something energy. to write about yeah, yeah. so
1: great So is, is that what you're working on right now did you because I was going to ask you if you had another novel in mind or
2: I have a novel go. that's finished and and <gasps> um.
1: ooh what's it about can I ask
2: Um, yeah it's about uh, Thoreau <gasps>
1: oh David. Wow. Okay.
2: Yeah. So it's, uh, it's most, it's mostly finished and um, hopefully come out and I don't know when, but Mm. 23, maybe 24. I don't know. I haven't got an update for it yet.
1: Okay. Great. um, But you get a little bit of a breather.
2: Yeah. I get a bit of a breather. So time for some poetry
1: and some dog walks. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Well, yeah. thank you so much for being with um, being with me today and for this conversation and for your reading. It's just I enjoy this book so much. So, for everyone who wants to go pick it up, um, most of your independents would have it, um, and you can get it easily. It's called *Solitude, Connection: The Writing Life* and a dog called Fig. So, be sure to get your copy. Thank you so much, Helen. Thank you, Rhonda. Those were great questions. It was great talking with you. Great
0: talking with you. It was Rhonda Douglas in conversation with Helen Humphreys about her latest publication and a dog called Fig Solitude, Connection, The Writing Life. Thanks to all our patrons, volunteers, and donors. And thanks to the Government of Canada, the Government of Ontario, the City of Ottawa, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, Ottawa Public Library, Carleton University, and CBC for their ongoing support. This podcast is produced by Aaron Flynn. Original music and sound engineering by Mike Dubey. Kira Harris is our program director, and I'm Sean Wilson. Thank you for listening.